All right, welcome back to Her Perspective of a True Man, and I am here with Marvin Carr Jr., and we are talking about what it's like to be a man in today's climate as a father um, who's gone through divorce, career-wise, and just um, his own ideal and um, his perspective on what we're dealing with right now with the Black Lives Matter. Um, and so we were just talking about the different things. And one of the things that you brought up um, that I thought was very interesting when it comes to understanding um, who you are as a Black man, you were elaborating highly about how important it is to have a Black man in your life that you can follow and you know who can give guidance. Can you expand on that a little more, you know, the difference that it makes? Um, even in your own, um, your own son, you know, your father, um, the relationship you and your dad had, and um, then the relationship that, you know, you and your own son having along with your, you know, grandsons that you have coming up. Right. You know, how important is that? you know, for people to understand those things. Because I think a lot of times as a single mother, when you're raising a young black man, you feel like if you're doing your best raising him, that that's good enough, that you don't really need to do anything else. Right. <laughs> I, think, <clears throat> I mean, for me, <clears throat> I have, you know, my son is 36, my daughter's 35, and then I have a born 29. But I think the like the most important thing for me when raising my son and everything was like that is that I loved him and he had his own identity. And I didn't expect him to be no more than who he was, and that was Marcus. But not only that, as a young teenager raising a kid and everything like that, I was still a kid myself. But once me and my wife got married and we were a family unit, it was important for me to show him the model as far as me and my behavior, my conversation, the way that I talked to my wife, the way that I had conversations with my daughter. And I, I, I treated all three of them the same. You understand as far as discipline and everything like that. But it was important for me to be able to allow him to be able to to be able to talk to me, good, bad, and different. I, I want him to be able to have a voice where we can have a conversation and talk, where he didn't feel like he was scared to share with me as far as how he was feeling and all those other different dynamics. But I also want to show him the model as far as what hard work was. You know, because number one, I went to college, but I didn't finish college because I had kids early. But I always made it a purpose as being a dad. It's like, you know, I go to work every day. I come home. You know, I cook dinner. You know, I did laundry. Uh, I cut the grass. And all those other different things as far as being a father, being a model, it's like, okay, one day you're going to need to learn how to cook. You know? So come on here in the kitchen with me. We're going to learn how to cook. You know, um, being there with him for his school, going up to PTA meetings and being involved at the school, you know, I would just go up there unexpectedly just to go talk to the teachers and everything like that to let the teachers know that I was there for my son as well as my daughter as far as their education. You know, he was in sports and everything like that. And so I always supported him in anything that he wanted to do. But also... I modeled him as far as having a relationship with God and going to church because that was our foundation, going to Sunday school, them singing in the youth choir, you know, and them being around different men in the church, whether it be deacons, associate pastors, and all those other different things. That would help model also as far as his development as a young man. But not only that, let him know that it's okay to cry to feel pain and to feel hurt and feel disappointment. You know, back in the day you was growing up, they was like, oh boy, stop crying. You know what I'm saying? 
you ain't nothing but a sissy or so and so so stop crying but i let him know it's okay to cry not yeah. only that yeah. but not only that but i cried in front of him to let him know it's okay to see yeah. your daddy cry you know and so all of those up different layers of emotion when you see that coming from your daddy be like wow you know daddy's something you know or the, see the way that I loved on my daughters you know what I'm saying I, I took my daughters on their first date you know I would take my girls flowers and teddy bears and uh, do their desk on Valentine's Day you know what I'm saying to make them special you know, and then we always had a time where we had one-on-ones together where we go to lunch together and we just have one-on-one time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, just doing different things like that. But not only that, but putting him around different men that I knew that were good models, mm -hmm. you know, as far as their character and the way that they held their self. And so when you're doing that raising a son, it's a task. But you don't want to do anything that's going to hinder them for, for truly becoming. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, you deal with different, so many different layers as a man anyway, a black American man in society. And I always tell him I was tough. I, you know, I disciplined, you know, and I would tell him I was like, you know, I discipline you out of love. But you go out there in the streets and everything like that. If the police come in your head, they ain't not going to be coming your head because they love you. They come in your head for real, you know? And so, and to be able to be able to talk with good tone and good diction and where people can understand what you're talking about, learning them how to have communication, you be able to have a good firm handshake and look a man in the eye and not to look down and to be able to look at him as a man or as a young man to present yourself in such a way when you engage in a conversation that you can have good eye to eye contact. And so I did the best I could, you know, yes, but I'm proud, I mean, but I'm proud of him right now. He's 36. You know, he's an underwriter for Chase Bank. Uh, he's 36 years old and I've never had a problem, never had to get him out of jail. He's a good father. He's a good husband. Um, and I'm proud of him. You know, he's building his second house at 36 years old. Who does that at 36? So I'm proud of him, you know, um, the way that he manages, the way he raises my grandkids. It's almost like he's uh, he's like me, but I think he's a little bit harder than me. But, um, and that's a beautiful thing when you can see your son grow and just see him coming into his own kingship, you know, and that's what makes me more proud of anything. If I didn't do anything else, I was an amazing dad. And I was an amazing husband. So, yeah, yeah that, that's my proudest moment as far as raising my kids. So you said a whole lot of meat and potatoes. And uh, a lot of the things that you shared in being a father, you know, showing him, showing your kids, period. You know, taking the girls out on a date. So that they would understand what that, you know, what that is and that they not, they wouldn't be so hyped about somebody else trying to take them on a date because they've already gone on one with their father. Exactly. Giving them the foundation, all of them, the foundation of having God in their life um, where they know how to pray, how to look to the Lord, you know, even in your absence. But then explaining to him you know, some of the things that he needed to know and understand as a young man, you know, stepping out into the world. Exactly. The world will do you if you don't have a handle on it. Well, yeah, I, and you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, because I was such a young father that, like I said, it wasn't no roadmaps and everything, but I knew I had to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And I want, I, you know, I didn't want him to look at me in any way that wasn't appropriate where he didn't feel like he can trust me for my word as far me being his father, that I would not set him up for failure because I wanted the best intentions for him beyond myself. Right. You know, <clears throat> and, and entrusting him to make his own right decisions as a young man once he became a teenager. 
you know, and so he was a really good athlete. Um, and so when he was uh, in the 10th grade, he was a varsity quarterback all the way until he graduated. So he always had older guys he played with, but he always had an old spirit. So they always would come and ask him for information or, or to be able to talk to because everybody trusted him. And so when I seen him growing in that capacity, I'm just like, you know what? Marcus is a good dude, but, you know, people value his opinion. And even my nieces and nephews right now, they are the first one that they go to if they're having a problem with their marriage or different things, they call and talk to him. Well, and that's just called, you know, that's a leadership that he has, you know, to be able to be a great leader. Everybody wants to be a leader, but that is, that's a skill and a gift and within itself that God grants us um, because everybody can't do it. No matter how much they want to do it, they really can't do it and can't do it the right way. Exactly. Um, you know, seeing him now and he's raising his own boys, you know, and the things that he's doing, you know, at 36 years old, 36, been married for a minute, have two kids, um, is in leadership, you know, on his job and then being a, a man, you know, the father, the husband, um, at home contributes to a lot of the things that you instilled in him, which a lot of people don't realize. Like if you instill things in your children, although they may no longer be around you because they have their own life and where they may live, those right. values still stay embedded in them. And it gives them something to draw from compared to people that have nothing and they have nothing to draw from. They just existing. Yeah. Um, so watching him now as a father with his two boys, um, what does that do for you? Man, it does, you know, does a lot, but I can't take all the credit myself because his mother had a lot to contribute to that too, because, you know, she was, she's, She's always been class uh, class personified, I always say. I mean, she's always been a loving, nurturing mom, like most moms are. <clears throat> but um, she helped raise him as a man, too. She kind of, like, smoothed out some of the rough edges. You know what I'm saying? Um, because, like I said, I always was a different, you know, I just, you know, I was just really hard on all of them. But then Rochelle had a way of coming in and comforting them and soothing them, you know what I'm saying? But not overstepping my boundaries as far as me being a father and being the one to discipline. But, you know, she played a lot of role in where he is as a father because he's a good father. He's a loving father. He's a hard worker. He's a provider. He disciplines. He knows how to pull the reins, how to let them go. Um, he's an amazing husband to my daughter-in-law. And so they have a really, really good relationship. When you filter all of those other different things and the dynamics as far as being a father and trying to be a husband, um, a dad, and trying to be an employee at your job and all those other different layers and then walking out your house as a black man and praying that you're going to come home alive that same day, whether you're going to go to the gas station or the, or the store based on the conditions, not saying that you have to be doing anything wrong, but just the way that the society is right now. You just don't know if you're going to come across a good cop. You don't know if you're going to come across somebody that's racist in the grocery store or something like that, and there might be a confrontation. You just don't know. But if you have those life skills as far as being able to be able to have a conversation and talk, and put yourself in a position where you know that you're going to be okay, then it's amazing to see him at 36 and him having patience with my grandsons. You know what I'm saying? He can be hard, but 
you know, he plays video games with them. You know, both of them are into sports. They play uh, football, football, racquetball, whatever else. I don't know. Um, but he's involved with their sports and everything like that. He's assistant coach, actually, on the football team. And so he's um, always just right there with them. And I just think that uh, once you have a father that's there that, that can support you and engage you, and to allow you to fail without making it like a big deal. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of times kids have enough pressure on themselves just trying to find their own way. And, and some of them are scared to fail, but failure is okay. Long as you can tell, long as you have somebody that supports you and tell you that it's okay and that you're going to do better the next time. And you can't give up just because you have failed in one particular part in your life. Right. And that's whatever you do. You know what I'm saying? And so relationships are good. They're meant. I mean, that's the forefront of everything is the family unity. You know, and you can't say you want to stop being a father. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You can't stop doing that because you're going to be a father to death. You know, you're going to be a mother to death. But still, as our kids are growing and everything, they still need to have that love and support and know that they can come to us at any time. They need to have a conversation and to be able to talk. And sometimes it's good as parents sometimes because we can get out the loop because we think we mom and daddy and we know everything. And sometimes it's just good to sit down on your hind legs and be quiet and allow your kid to be able to just speak life and speak the narrative of the things that they're going on. Because I always say, I'd never give advice only when asked. That's my biggest attribute for me as a father. I never give any advice until I'm asked. But when you ask me, then be prepared to get the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest. A lot of people, especially um, these young people say, you know, they want to know the truth. But the reality is you may not be able to handle the truth. You know, a lot, sometimes I just think they want to know to be nosy. And then when you tell them the truth and, you know, tell them what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, then they have a hard time dealing with the reality that this is what it is. No matter what, this is the reality. Um, tell me what, is, what it's like to um, go from being married to being single. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we can write a, I can write a book right now and lay the pen down and just try to finish the chapter. I can tell you this was uh, when I was married, I enjoyed being married. I enjoyed being, I enjoyed being a husband. I really did. I enjoyed being a covering over my over my wife and over my children. Okay, hold on, wait. Right there. What? <laughs> There's a difference in being just a husband and a and a, and a covering. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that the husband and covering is the same thing. It's not the it's not the same. No, no, totally not the same. Anybody can be a husband, but it takes a man that really understands who he is and walking with God to understand what he is when it comes to being a covering you know jesus was the covering for the church that's what people don't realize and understand mm-hmm. didn't the bible does say just as christ loved the church you know that husbands are to love their wives christ as loved the church. because church. he was the covering for the church right. right he wasn't just a husband he was the covering and that's what people you know we get things messed up, messed up or misconstrued because everyone wants to say, oh, that's my husband, that's my wife. But a husband serves a different, per- a, a different um, place in your life compared to what a covering does. Right. So talk about your, your covering. I mean, when I say I'm a, I was a cover over her, and my children because they stood under my umbrella as far as me 
being be able to be a provider, to be able to be a nurturer. I was a place where uh, a pillow where she can, uh, I was her soft pillow where she could lay her head when something was going on with her. You know, I covered her in prayer and my children. I covered them and showing them how it is to be a model as far as um, just taking care of the household and made everything okay. Because mm -hmm. when I married her, I said I do. But when I became older and understood that I knew that I needed to be the covering over her as far as being the example about going to church, being the example about us being able to have conversation and have narrative with, uh, with her knowing that her feelings and everything were understood. You know, it wasn't like me trying to walk inside the house. It's like, hey, I'm the man and, you know, I want my house to do this particular type of thing. I just think we we just flowed together and we didn't have a title. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have a title. We just we just flowed. And I love that aspect of our marriage when we got married when we were younger, when we were young, you know. And as times went by, you know, when you're dealing with, you got to take your daughter to softball practice and you got this other one at uh, choir rehearsal. You got one at football practice and trying to manage manage all those other different things out, you know. And then, I, you know, I just, I, just, I just pride myself on being a husband. I just love that right. aspect of it. And I just think uh, the dynamics totally changed in our relationship. When my grandfather moved in, after everybody said, yeah, you know, we want to make this thing work, but we didn't realize how much work it was. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's when the shift in our relationship changed because I was putting so much energy on trying to take care of my grandfather. And then I would take care of him until I had to go work at my part-time job. And then I would leave my part-time, go at my part-time job probably at five. And then I probably didn't come home to about 1130 at night. Wow. And then I would go downstairs to make sure that my grandfather was okay. But then when I got back up, when I came upstairs, the family was asleep. She would be asleep. The kids would be asleep. Wake up and do the whole transition all over again. Mm -hmm. Then the weekends would come and then we would try to get together and everything. And so our communication shifted. Mm -hmm. And I was so into working my second job to make sure I provided that I lost the scope of her in so many different ways. Right. You know, and so that's when it shifted. When I thought that I was doing all the things I was doing as a man as far as trying to be a provider and working and everything like that, it, I, I, could, I could just see our relationship shifting. But when I tried to refocus on her and try to make date nights and all of those a priority for her, even though she didn't ask for that, her whole mindset and as far as our relationship has shifted and changed. You know, and so in, in the capacity of that, because I don't think that she felt that her needs were met as far as me as a man being there as much as I should have been. But when, right. I, when I look at it, the only thing I was trying to do was just take care of my family and work. Then she shifted and went to another direction. I mean, she had an affair. You know, we're yeah. just going to call it spade for what it is. And I never seen it coming. <laughs> you know, this Jaden, Jaden uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah, it is an entanglement. <laughs> no, I'm serious, and it was an affair, you know, straight off the muscle. I, but like I said, I never seen it coming mm -hmm. because I was doing all the different things. My, my, I mean, I was doing. I felt all the things that I needed to do as far as a husband and a father. Right, and that's right. what I'm saying. When somebody else, other physical things are not met, and that where they feel that they need it, they're losing. You never know what direction another person is going to shift to. I just right. wish that we were we could have handled it in a different way where she could have conveyed to me and talked to me and share with me with the things that she felt that she wasn't receiving from me as her husband or her best friend. 
you know. So that's why I say key communication is key. So you know, when, when all of this um, happened, like, had there been any infidelity on your side before no. she? No. No, it was just. No, I mean, just, no. I mean, she was the only. Uh, she was the only woman I ever been in my in my life. I mean, I had never did nothing else with nobody else. I mean, I mean, sexually in that capacity. You know, when you're a teenager, shit, you what you kiss and tongue kiss, you might smack somebody on the ass or something like that when you were young. But as far as me being with intimate with any other woman, no. And when that happened, it, it you know it messed me up because I never seen it coming. Not only did it mess me up, but I was in church, I was on trial to be a deacon, all of those other different layers. And so when it happened, what I didn't have nobody that I could talk to. I didn't have no man that I I could talk to because my dad. He wasn't in my life. You know, my grandfather had a stroke. Shit, he couldn't talk. So I held all of those different things in. And the only person I could talk to was my brother. But shit, he's two years younger than me. I, so I couldn't share that. You know, I felt like somebody gutted me like a catfish. And I wasn't even dead. I was still on the ground flopping. You understand what I'm saying? So you, you, you take all of that and all that stuff that just hits you at once. You're dealing with a sick grandfather. You got a wife that hasn't had an affair. You're raising three kids. You're working two jobs. What do you do? I kept working. I couldn't stop working. I still had to be a husband, even though I was scarred. I still had to be a father. And so I dealt with that for a minute. You know, being 27, 28 years old, and she hadn't been with nobody else. And, you know, she was just, you know, she, she made her mind. She made that decision and, and it just happened. And I could have left, you know what I'm saying? I could have left and be like, okay, I'm not going to deal with this, you know. But I always thought about the kids, you know what I'm saying? If I leave here and get a divorce, then my family's going to be broken. So I always took one for the team. Was it easy? No. It was, it was hard as hell. But then, me being a man, we just gonna, I mean, it just happened. I got approached by someone, never looked at nobody else and everything like that. And she caught my attention. And the rest was history. You know, and then I stepped out. Not saying what was right. You know, I made up my mind. I made a decision. And, but it wasn't like, it was like a flame. I mean, I was in this relationship with this individual for damn near two and a half years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not saying it's right, but it happened. And then, so that's when the whole dynamics of the marriage shifted. And it was totally dysfunctional from that time until I got a divorce. So remember, you know, I always talk about the, you know, the um, the word that I speak. What's in your bed? Mm-hmm. And I got guy at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. And I always talk about the narrative about people talked about him being in the bed, and how many people went to the pool to get healed. How many people stepped over him? They even some of them got a a, a double blessing because they met met more than once. But yeah. yet still, he laid in his bed. But nobody never talked about his situation in the situation that he was in. Mm-hmm. They talked about people going to the pool. They always talk about people getting healed. But they never knew what his bed was. And, right. and it's, it was striking to me. I was like, nobody never talks about his bed. He laid in depression. He laid in anger. Mm-hmm. He laid in fear disappointment looked over stepped over yeah but nobody never talked about his bed and everybody has a bed that they are lying in yes people people that has walked over that they can't see the light and people always thought that he was paralyzed but the word said he was infirm so meaning he was infirmed i mean he was depressed he was laying in his mess. He could have got up if he wanted to, 
but he laid there because his mind was so messed up. He was so dysfunctionally wrecked, emotionally bruised and abused and everything else. And just Jesus just asked him one question, Rhonda, do you want to be healed? The first thing he wanted to be, he wanted to give an excuse about what, what his situation that he was in. Mm -hmm. And Jesus just asked, told him to pick his bed and walk. And so... That, that, don't you see that as a lot of people? And God is asking you what it is. And then we started trying to run off all these excuses of what we endured in our past. And, you know, he's like, look, I'm talking about the now. Where are you trying right. to Okay. Where are you trying to go? Yeah. And Not so what I'm saying. saying, so what I'm saying, I'm saying all of this to say that is that I, after all of those different things happened and, you know, she had an affair that I had an affair and everything like that and still trying to be cohesive, and, um, you know, at, at the house to be able to live with one another and still trying to raise a family. It was like it was messed up and it was never the same. Right. As much as I wanted to try to have a successful relationship or even marriage. It was never, it was never the same. And so I embarked on just focusing on raising my children and raising my daughters because I didn't want another man in my house or whomever being over my kids. Right. So I sacrificed a lot of my adult life not being happy, just coexisting and, you know, just being there for my children, you know. And then even after my kids, even after they got out the house, I even still tried to have a relationship with her, but it was never the same. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was never the same. You know, we could tell each other we love each other, but as far as that, the dynamics of trying to have like a functional relationship, it was so toxic. It was so dysfunctional. You know, it would be times that me and her would be in the house and we probably wouldn't talk to each other for two or three days. Just nothing, no conversation, no narrative. We slept in the bed and shit, I slept on the edge of the bed because shit, I didn't even want to touch it sometime. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, I'm just being real. I can only talk about me. Yeah. And I lost myself too in the process. I lost who I was, my true identity, because I had gave that up because I was always somebody, something to somebody. I was always a husband. I was always a father. Couldn't run away from that. I was yeah. always a, a take care of my grandfather, but I lost who I was as Mormon. You know what I'm saying? That, and yeah. it wasn't until one morning, one Saturday morning, that I woke up and I went into the bathroom and I looked myself in the mirror and I was just like, who are you? And I answered my own question and I'm like, I am love. And I got up that morning, put up, put on my clothes, got in my truck, and I just started driving to my apartment complex that I'm in right now. And I went, I went there. I went and looked at an apartment. I got approved. They asked me that I wanted, went to my car and prayed about it. I was like, yeah. I drove home. Told, told Rochelle, it's like, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting right now. I told her, I said, I found me in an apartment. You can have this house, but in 30 days, I'm gone. I was right. like, because I'm tired of living in dysfunction. I was like, in this situation right here, it's dysfunctional and it's toxic. And I told her, I was like, and I'm done. I don't want a family heirloom. I don't want nothing. All I know is I'm done. I love you. I always love you. And I had to hit that cycle button right there and delete it. And that was the and that was the best choice for me. Yeah, and see, that's the whole thing. You said a couple of things. One, um, that you had lost yourself because you know you always hear women talking about I, you know, they've lost their self and their husbands because they're trying to be what their husbands want them to right. be and trying to be this great mother, this, that, and the other, and so they don't, you know, they don't remain who they need to be, which is themselves. Exactly. So, so they lose themselves and trying to be the person that they need to be for the family in the dynamics of the family. And for a man to say that, I mean, it's, it's a lot, whether people realize it or not. And there's a lot of things that, you know, 
men do in silence. You know, women are a little more vocal when they not happy. <laughs> yeah. Whether to their children or to their best girlfriends or whatever. But men have this thing where they don't talk about the things they need to talk about because they don't want to a lot of times embarrass the woman. You know, they don't want her to feel bad. Although they know that, you know, this time that they need to go and let that go. But they always try to address and cover up the issue of the woman being embarrassed and how people would perceive her. Yeah. And not worry about how, you know, people are perceiving them. So I love the fact that you, you know, you say, you know, you lost yourself in trying to be a great husband and a great father, you know, but when you, when you um, hit the, the restart button after you came to your senses, then, you know, you could see life a little more clearly, you know, it wasn't the same and it didn't take away from, you know, your friendship with her, but you knew that you could not be the husband any longer. Yeah, she... mm -mm. I could I couldn't do none of that, and and what's so crazy about the whole process of that is is that when I did move into my apartment, it's the first time that I had the first time that I was alone. Mm. It was the first time that I was by myself as an adult man that I was at home because I left my mama's house to my Even... own house. Yep. You understand? I never had that time like you know where you can go off to college and go for four years or something like that and you live in a dorm and you with your friends and so it was my first time as an adult man in my 40s to be by myself no kids there no wife there it wasn't nobody but it wasn't nobody there but me and so I had to learn how to fall in love with myself uh, and I had to learn to have a true narrative and have a conversation with myself. Right. It wasn't at the it wasn't at the point that I didn't want to talk about the things that were going on with me. I didn't have a model who I could have a conversation with that I could talk to as a man who can tell me what was going on and the things that I was dealing with. Right. Not only not only that, I didn't even share with my minister or anything like that. You know. Because after I was done, I was done. You know, so it took me a minute to just get myself straight by myself, mm -hmm. you know. And I didn't try to engage or do anything or have another relationship or anything like that. I was just dealing with me and peeling off all the Band-Aids and everything like that I had on me. Some Band-Aids, I just had some Neosporm because it was almost healed. <laughs> <laughs> some days I had on uh, put on some methylate like your grandmother used to do. You got the orange stain because the cut was so deep, it hurt. Yeah. And then sometimes you would just get you some cot. I mean, get you some paper towels and just pour some alcohol and just dab it. Right. You know what I'm and I'm still healing after five years after my divorce, if you can believe it or not. Yeah. I'm still in the process of healing. Mm -hmm. and letting go of different things you know but it's a pro I mean it's a truly a process but you know it's not often that you hear about men divorcing their wives wives always divorce their husband but I divorced her because I was done yeah I, I was I mean I was so done but after that happened then I could see me growing in a different way as a man, opposed to being a husband, opposed to me being by myself, because I was responsible for just me at this particular point in my life, which I never had to be. Right. You know, so I had to learn how to be responsible for me and the decisions that I made in my life and the things that I wanted, and the things that I things that I knew that I wanted for sure as hell, knowing the things that I didn't want in my life. You know, and so it's the best decision I made for me, but I think it's the best decision I made for the best of us, for the both of us, because right. I truly, I truly believe if I didn't make that decision, then I still would be in a toxic, dysfunctional marriage to this day. Mm. And that's the truth. 
that's good. you know and, and so now i had to learn how to be happy with me and how to be happy for me and not having expectations or anything uh, or, or anything else as far as being um as far as being in um a relationship and not feel felt that i um that I was obligated as the man to have a relationship. You know what I'm saying? As far as in in that in that wheel stream, because like I said, I had never loved myself. I lost I had lost in contact with who I was or what I liked to do, because I compromised so much to make sure the other people was happy. But I never took a mental health day to check and see how how I was doing. Yeah, and that's important because a lot of people, you know, yes, you are a mother. Yes, you are a father. Yes, you're a husband and you're a wife. You know, yes, you are a VP. Yes, you are a, a line server. You know, wherever that may be, you may be on the front line right now. But at the end of the day, if you are not connected to you. Right. It make a difference because you're still lost. And, you know, in that, it's like always looking for someone to tell you who you are or to justify your being um, in, as in humanity. And that's the problem right there within itself. So, you know, for you as a man to be able to um, share all of those things, because I can tell you, somebody's going to be helped you know, that listens to this. Somebody's going to realize that they no longer have to just keep sitting and stewing in what they're dealing with right now because they don't want to let go. Again, if you're going to be in a relationship, you got to determine if you're going to be the husband or you're going to be the covering. And then understandably understand that these are two different things. So you're not just in the house to be in the house. Right. You're not just in the house to hang out in the house, but as a covering, you're in the house to cover the house. Right. That means you move by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You do whatever the Holy Spirit is instructing you to do based on the family. You know, and when people can trust you to do the right thing, then that's what they do. But if they have alternative motives, then you just have to look at it, you know, okay, Lord, what is it that this person is trying to get out of me? Um, you know, in order for you to to be everything that, you know, God has called you to be. That's why I believe that when people break up, you need to break up and walk through that stuff because, you know, you don't want to go back in, this, in another situation with someone else that's carrying the same spirit. Right. And, you know, and another thing is just like, what do you do? When something happened that is so true to your heart as far as being a husband or being a father and then you get hit with a blow that you never seen coming just out the blue mm -hmm. and what's so killing about it is that when the other person's mode of operation doesn't change they are still that same person and you don't have any triggers to make you look at a person at a different particular way and then you mm -hmm. get hit with that and you be like damn you know, that's just real talk. Yeah. And so you're not, you don't have any control of anybody else's behavior, but beyond yourself. But I, after that happened, I never felt about marriage. My concept of what marriage was, I just, it, it was like, on, on, it was just out the door. Because number one, I never have been with nobody else. Number one, I never had lied to her. We always had open communication. And I felt like when our marriage, when it went shifted that way, I didn't have, I had resentment, I had resentment towards her because she broke the covenant of our marriage because I hadn't lied to her, but then she lied to me. You know what I'm saying? And so once that, once that, once that was broken, then it was so many different layers that came with that inside our marriage that was that was never the same in our relationship. Wow! And, and so I just think you know once 
you are able to take control of your life and your your situations and everything like that because I still could have been burdened to this day and still being in, in complete dysfunction. I'm telling you. And she would have thought that everything was okay. You know? But mm -hmm. I just took it upon myself that I knew I had to do the best thing for me. And like I said, it's been the best decisions for me. I have grown so much as a man that I was able to start doing different traveling things that I wasn't doing. I was able to travel. But I think the most profound thing that happened to me is like last year when I left to go to Hawaii and I was there for 10 months, I had a lot of, t I had a lot of time to be there to experience different experiences by myself. Um, and to, to be able to take time to really just focus in on who I was, things that I wanted. Um, so I could be a better person, number one, to me, but I can be a better father to my children, a better person to my grandchildren. And for even for me and her to still engage and have a conversation and still be friends, you know? Yeah. It, I think, and also it's important that kids see that even through um, something such as a divorce that you can still be amicable in you know your relationship and be able to you know get around each other travel have vacation talk whatever it may be you know due to family um and there's not a lot of bickering and craziness going on so no. i think it's, you know it's wonderful to be able to have that so tell me about where are you now when it comes to um a relationship and you know what is your hope that you may see god do in your life um moving forward well moving forward you know it's it's amazing you know because you know when, when you're single you're single so you know it's just totally different dynamics when you just you know when you're looking for something you know you always hear somebody or hear guys or or even females like, you know, I want a handsome wife. I'm not, I want a beautiful wife. You know, I want this beautiful body. You know, I want her to be this and that. Or even a man, you know, like, a, you know, a woman just in capacity, the physical connection. But nobody, it's, you never hear anybody say, Rhonda Cotton, I want somebody that got some damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody that got some sense. I want somebody that's not crazy. I want somebody yeah. that don't have anxiety. I want somebody that don't have depression. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I want somebody that I I can just be able to have a flow where right. our relationship is not defined. It's not labeled by you, my girlfriend, you, my boyfriend. We, I mean, I just want a relationship where I can flow. We can sit down and we can have conversation. You know, I'm a foodie, somebody that I love to eat. You know, I love to listen to music. I love to travel. And I want to be able to have my best friend. Right. You know, we can sit down and we can talk about any and everything. And I, you know, I mean that. I mean, I think that's so more, that's so important beyond anything. And to be able to be a good listener yeah because, because I, always, I was never really a good listener i always try to over talk someone sometimes um and i just want a woman of god you know what i'm saying somebody that i could just know that she's gonna pray for me i could pray for her you know and we can just enjoy life you know i'm ready to be two nickels in september so you know Fifty five, mm -hmm. and so you know, I got more days behind me than I have in front of me. But I would love to have a loving, nurturing relationship, you know, and somebody that can speak life into me, and I can speak life into them. And just you know, everything is not going to be kosher, but you know, I would like to engage with someone that I know that I can really have a really good time with as far as body, mind, and spirit, you know? 
I'm simple. Yeah. I don't need. I don't, I'm simple. I don't require a whole lot. Well, and I think that's um, a lot of the stuff that you know people. Once you start becoming in tune with yourself, and you dial back into you, and um, who you are, you realize that a lot of things that we think we need, we don't necessarily need. You know, and like you said, you just want to be able to be with somebody that's mentally sane. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> mentally sane, where you're not having to take risks and chances all the time. And I think right. a lot of people don't realize that you know people want to be in a <laughs> want to be in a relationship, but they just don't want the drama and the chaos. You know, and so when you're a person that that's not who you are, it's hard to deal with that because you're is going to have to explain yourself or always going to have to let somebody know um how you feel or always going to have to watch your mind your p's and q's right because somebody else is not able to handle handle things so um it's crazy but it is what it is and I, i've learned too is is that and um, in this process, and I'm not saying nothing negative about women, but there's a lot of women that still have unresolved daddy issues. Oh yeah, and that and that and see right and, there. And, that's and, 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 and so you have to try to unlayer all the daddy issues, and then you guys. I don't know how many women I've spoken to that's been in physical relation uh, abusive relationships. And so they are guarded up, and so they can't even untangle the bondage and stuff. Or they're they're so used to dysfunction, what they consider as love. And so as a man that comes that loves you unconditionally, they can't even accept that because they think that you're too good. But if you would call them out their name or do anything like that, they will love you like no other. I've seen it happen. I'll be like, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? And here you are. You just being true. You speaking life in them. You being a counselor. You trying to be a friend. You trying to uh, unshackle the handcuffs so they can be free. I mean, just free to love. And so they've been so used to all of these different things that's been happening in their life and everything. And they still even don't even know who they are. So once you present them with a free flow of conversation, that's nothing that's negative, and you loving on them, I've, I've seen it where they can't even engage in that because it doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel healthy. It's not who they are. So I, I can't be in something or take it to heart if that's not who I am. And that's the whole thing. That's the, the key for a lot of women and men is that, ooh, that undeniable relationship with the father, the male figure that actually gives you, um, that adds to the seed. Right. You have to have that in order to understand who you are. You just have to have that because if you don't have it, it is something that's very difficult for you to do it's very difficult for you to even ever understand, you know, what it's like to be able to have a man that loves you with no conditions. Cause see, we got a lot of people that are out here putting conditions on how much they are gonna do or what they would do based on how much they are gonna care for you and love you. Um, and that's because they've never seen unconditional love to the point that it doesn't cost you. That's what people don't realize. Unconditional love does not have a cost or a price to it. No. It's that, it's unconditional love and it's free. So anybody that gives it out freely are people that generally knows and understand what it means to have it in their life. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we're missing a lot of. You know, I, I look at, you know, even relationships with guys that there's so many guys that don't understand who they are um, and they don't have the relationship they need to have with their father to understand who they were to become as a man. Right. You don't have any of that. What do you have to offer me? Because I'm not gonna. I'm not about to sit here and have the the daddy son issues 
You know, I have two young black men myself and I'm not raising any more black men that's over 18. <laughs> <laughs> My days is over with. So yeah. I don't need I don't need no grown, grown, mature man that's still having daddy issues and, and learning how to deal with himself. Right. To be sitting there looking at me like I'm supposed to, you know, put a Band-Aid over everything and make it better. Mm-mm. That's a yeah, no-go. I had, I, had I had this one young lady tell me one time that she doesn't want to feel like that she's obligated. I was like, what's... Well, I don't well, you obligated. I mean, uh, as uh, obligated as far as um, being in a friendship or a relationship. She doesn't, she didn't feel like she needed to be obligated to, to call a particular type of day or to make a text or do, or she just didn't want to feel like she was obligated. She just wanted to be able to flow and do whatever. I'm like, shit, I don't have no boundaries on anything or whatever else. You know what I'm saying? But right there, right, but right there, right there was like a red flag for me. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. Because she's the same one saying she don't want to feel like there's obligation, but she would be the same one blowing a person up. About why blowing them up. Girl, why blowing, up, blowing, blowing it up like the, like the World Trade Center, okay? <laughs> Boom. Straight from, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, but I just think, you know, when you get at the age that me and you are and everything like that, uh, the only thing that you want to do is, number one, is to have a peace of mind and to be able to be happy. That's mm -hmm. it. And to be able to come <clears throat> in a relationship, like I said, love without conditions, where, you know, you can just, you know that that's your ride or die. They got your back, good, bad, and different. And you can sit down and you can uh, agree to disagree, but still have a conversation. But yet it's still the same goal that we want. You know, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be in some kind of relationship. Yeah, there's only one thing in the Bible that God just said that it's not good. And it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah, you know He wants us to be in relationship. Mm -hmm. But I want, like I said, I want to be in relationship with somebody that has mental, who is mentally stable. I, I that's my consistent prayer. God, just send me somebody that's mentally stable. Don't give me nobody that's bipolar. Don't give me somebody that's got depression, anxiety, or any other of those other different things. Give me somebody that's a woman of God that is class personified, someone who loves life, life, who has a zest to live, to experience different things, and to be able to be able to be in partnership as far as having a relationship that could be successful. Right. Because I've been in dysfunction for damn near, I was married 30 years, eight years were good, and all the rest of those years was dysfunctional and toxic. Wow. I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah, but that's a long, long time. That's a long time. And, and people, I think a lot of people don't think about it because if they've been just dealing in dysfunction, that's all they know. And so they're good with that because it lets them know they're breathing. <laughs> and I just want to, I want to get past the breathing part. I want to be a person where I'm living and I'm able to inhale and exhale, you know, where, you know, taking in a breath doesn't mean it's my last, you know, but it is the beginning of the next one after the next one after the next one. And a lot of people just don't get that. So I want you to sum it up for me. Um, where do you go from here? What's what's next? Where do you go from here? Um, God has I mean, blessed. I, I mean, I mean, meaning, where do I go from here? Meaning what? Meaning with your life. You know, God's blessed you to be a father. He's okay. blessed you to be a husband. You have yep. now been single for the you know, a couple of years now. Um, do you have that desire to be married again, or are you just? okay with living in your singleness you know and so where do you want to go from here i can tell you i love my i love my singleness i do love that because i'm by my i'm by myself so i don't have to worry 
about trying to meet nobody's expectation or please anyone. Right. Okay. Number one. I, I mean, I love. I mean, I just, I love doing me. You know, I can get up. I can go travel if I want to. You know, or do whatever. You know, I, I love that free will of me to just be able to do that. <clears throat> Come home, light my candles and my incense, cook me something to eat, put my music on, and I just, I, I'm, I'm just chill. And I always said that I never wanted to remarry again mm -hmm. because it took me a, a minute to let go of being hurt and having resentment. Mm. But I've, I've always have wanted to be in a relationship to be a covering of a woman. That's just, that's just in my DNA. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And I always say that I never would, but my whole perspective has changed within the last couple of years. And so I pray that God sends me the things that I pray for as far as relationship in a woman. Mm -hmm. And if God were to send me that right woman in my life, then I would yield the floor and say I do again like it was nothing. Because okay. that's what I want to do. Because I want to be in love with somebody. You know, I want to be able to have my best friend with me. But then if he, if that doesn't happen, because our timing is not God's timing, and I'm not looking, then, you know, even in a mask, I can find my queen at Price Chopper, okay? <laughs> yes, Lord. I thought I seen her yesterday. I want to almost pull my mask off and be like, God, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> in my mask. Did you hear me, all the brothers out there? Even in your mask, my queens, even if your even if your mask, you can find your king and your queen. Yes, That's real talk. There's plenty of people that got them on. They got them on like it's nobody's business. You're up a look, but look. But the way I felt yesterday when I seen this particular young lady, I swear, I, I was just going to buy me some fresh green beans. And Lord Jesus, I picked up that bag and all I could see was those yoga pants and her little nice t-shirt and tennis shoes and she had her hair pent up. Girl, look, I'm keeping the 100, Cotton. I just want to- She's about to go to the altar. Lord Jesus, okay? <laughs> But, I, but yeah, but all seriousness and everything like that, I just, you know, I pray that um, anybody out there that's listening and everything like that, that I hope that the conversation that me and Rhonda had was, if it only hurt, helps one person, but we just had a, a true raw conversation and uh, through all the things that I've been through, but God, and, you know, I trust him because I know that uh, if it's his will, then I will have my queen. If not, then I will be sitting at my throne by myself, <laughs> enjoying life, enjoying my kids, my grandkids, you know, enjoying my mom. I'm still blessed to have my mom and my dad still alive. So, uh -huh. um, and, and that's a blessing within itself. Yeah. You know, it's crazy because um, as a single woman and just, you know, wanting God to let his will be done, you know, our own mind, will, and emotions can get in the way of everything um, because we can get so stuck on things that we have no business being stuck on. And again, you know, I want everything to be only what God says that it's supposed to be. I don't need it to be anything else. I don't want anybody to be acting any way. And I definitely do not need and do not want someone that does not know who they are. Like, I need you to be 100 in who you are as a person. Um, your relationship with God needs to be one-on-one -on -one so that you are happy with you because don't come to me looking for happiness. I can't give you that. Right. You know, I can help you and hopefully enhance who you are, but I can't make you happy. And I think a lot of people misconstrue what the relationship is really for, thinking that it is supposed to make them happy. When you come to the table, you need to be already happy. And healed, okay? And healed. Healed, on, healed most and foremost, definitely healed. You know, because we can't go back to your childhood. I can't go back and snatch somebody for you, you know, to make things better. 
I can't right. go back and change what happened. All I can do is be in the now as to who I am and prayerfully whatever I do adds value to you and whatever you're doing adds value to me so that we are moving in a direction that is allowing God to be manifested and for people to be able to see that and say, hey, okay, what y'all doing? What do you got? You know, I want that. Or can you tell me how to go about doing whatever? Because I want to be a part of that and I want to have that in my life. And right. a lot of times people just say, oh, I just want a relationship. No, I don't just want a relationship and I don't need a relationship. Um, what I want is someone that we can grow old together, hang out, be the best of everything and chill. And, you know, when the time comes and God says, okay, it's time to go. It's just time to go. But you Peace. live your best <laughs> life ever. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. You've yeah. done what you need to do and you've enjoyed, you know, every bit of it. So Without, uh, without regrets. Without regrets. Most definitely without regrets. So this is the end of the show. Because I want to say thank you so much. We're going to have to do this again. Yes. Um, we have, you know, next time we can really chop it up in some of them conversations that we have that really, really um, that's on point and it's about real life, real talk, uh, men and women, you know, and the dynamics of, you know, how we are seeing things happening out here in this world. Yep. But I thank you for your time and I thank you for your words of wisdom and your encouragement. <laughs> I need everybody to keep checking in with me on her perspective of a true man, real talk with real men, where I have men and women giving you their real life journey, talking about how things have um, happened in their life and how God have brought them through. And then some people that may be still going through, still trying to find themselves. But whatever your life story is, whatever your journey is, that's the journey that we need to hear about. That's the journey that will set someone else free. So thank you again for another great, great show on Her Perspective of a True Man, Real Talk with Real Men. We'll see you next week. I'm out of here. Bye.